name is Kim Talos. I am the professor of energy law at Tulane University and the founding director of Tulane Center for Energy Law. I am also a professor of European energy law at UEF Law School and a part-time professor of energy law at University of Helsinki. Over the years, I've been involved in several cross-border energy infrastructure cases. I have, among many other things, drafted the first application for a merchant exemption, the kind that is now at the heart of the Opal judgment. My merchant exemption related to a power line, whereas this case relates to a gas pipeline. On 10 September 2019, the General Court annulled an earlier Commission decision to modify the exemption of uh, the Opal pipeline. The interesting part in this judgment is that the court based its judgment on the principle of energy solidarity introduced by the Lisbon Treaty and now is Article 194 of the Treaty on the Functioning of European Union. This is a judgment that may have far-reaching consequences for both interpretation and application of EU energy law. I will now proceed by providing a brief overview of the facts of the case, then cover the most important and interesting parts of the judgment, and then provide some reflections on the judgment and its possible consequences. I'll discuss the principle of energy solidarity, which is the central piece of this judgment, and then talk about its implications. I'll also talk a little bit about the WTO dispute between Russia and EU and how the Opal judgment interacts with that uh, panel decision. So, the facts. The gas pipeline, Opal, is the onshore extension of Nord Stream 1 gas pipeline, which brings Russian gas to the shores of Germany. The Opal pipeline starts onshore Germany after the landing terminal uh, at the coast of northern Germany. It runs through Germany uh, to Czech Republic, where its entry point is located. Opal Pipeline applied for a merchant exemption under what was then Article 22 of the Second Gas Market Directive. Today, the corresponding article is Article 36 of the Third Gas Market Directive. The content is almost identical. This exemption allows pipelines to be exempted from third-party access, unbundling, and many other provisions. It provides that major new gas infrastructures may, upon request, be exempted from certain provisions as long as certain conditions are fulfilled. One of these conditions is that the investment must enhance competition in the gas supply and enhance security of supply. I'm not going to go through the uh, various uh, parts of the article, nor how the procedural scheme looks like. But here I refer you to an earlier podcast of the Florence Regulatory School that really focuses on Opal exemptions. I do say this, though. An exemption is available for major new gas infrastructures. The exemption is granted on a case-by-case basis, and even if all the conditions are met, the exemption is not automatic. And today, a partial exemption for partial capacity seems to be the standard. Uh, 
The procedural scheme relies on national decision-making, but then gives the control over the exemption to the European Commission. The national exemption are notified to the Commission, and then the Commission will decide to accept or, or return the decision for national regulators for amendments. In this case, there were two exemption decisions. The first one from 2009, where the exemption from the German regulatory authority with commission's uh, additions or modifications was given for 22 years. Under this first 2009 exemption, the Gazprom, which was the only company that could supply gas to the entry point of Opal pipeline at the coast of Germany, could only reserve 50% of the cross-border capacities for the Opal pipeline. There was a possibility to increase that if a gas release program was implemented. This gas release program was not implemented and therefore Gazprom could only use 50% of the capacity in this pipeline. The remaining 50%, half of the capacity, remained unused for several years. A second decision after a application for this effect, of course, was taken in 2017. And this decision, this exemption decision allowed Gazprom to use the full capacity of Opal pipeline as long as there was no third party demand for capacities. This decision by the German regulators was accepted by the Commission with minor changes. Now, Poland challenged this 2016 decision. According to Poland, the second decision, the 2016 decision, violated the principles of energy security and energy solidarity. Poland claimed that the grant of the new exemption relating to the Opal pipeline by increasing the capacity utilization from 50% to up to 100% threatened the security of supply in certain regions of Europe, in particular Central and Eastern Europe. The Commission in this case argued that this was uh, wrong. In the Commission view, the energy solidarity was a political notion that appears in its communications and documents, but the decision, the 2016 decision, was based on legal criteria laid down in Article 36 of the third gas market directive. There were also several other arguments by the Commission. For example, that the principle of solidarity between member states under Article 194 was addressed to the legislator, legislator and not the administration applying the legislation. And it also argued that the article, uh, the principle of solidarity only concerned situations of crises uh, in supply of gas or functioning of the internal market. Now, they had a number of, or commission had a number of other arguments as well. And for example, argued that uh, the variation under the regime, increasing the capacity utilization of the Opal pipeline could not have a detrimental effect on the security of supply of natural gas in certain Eastern Europe or in general, or then in Poland in particular. Now, I will next talk about the uh, court's the judgment. Uh, 
So in considering the arguments that were raised by Poland in relation to energy solidarity, the court essentially finds that the principle of energy solidarity does not only impose obligations of mutual assistance in cases of emergencies, such as natural disasters or acts of terrorism, or where a member state is in critical or emergency situation as regards to its gas supply. In this respect, the court specifically noted, and I quote, that as regards more specifically the energy policy of the European Union, that policy requires the European Union and the member states to endeavor in their exercise of the powers in the field of energy policy to avoid adopting measures liable to affect the interest of the European Union and other member states as regards security of supply, its economic and political viability, the diversification of supply or sources of supply, and to do so in order to take account of their interdependence and de facto solidarity. The court did, however, note that the application of principle of energy solidarity did not mean that EU energy policy was never, under any circumstances, have negative effects on the particular interest of a member state in the field of energy, but that EU institutions and the member states are obliged to take into account in the context of implementation of that policy, the interest of both European Union and various member states, and to balance those interests where there is a conflict. The principle therefore requires a balancing exercise where the interest sought by a measure and the negative impact that it may have on a specific member state must be evaluated and balanced against each other. The absence of this balancing exercise in the context of the 2016 Commission decision meant that the Commission had breached the requirements of principle of energy solidarity. I'll now proceed in making some remarks about the judgment. At a general level, one can say that the judgment has positive and negative consequences or elements. On the positive side, the judgment contributes to the old discussion about EU speaking with one voice in the energy matters vis-a-vis their external partners. This is a discussion that has been going on for many, many years, and the OPAP case really contributes and takes the process in that type of direction. Also, the APAL judgment recognizes the increasingly interlinked nature of EU energy markets. When energy markets and energy policies are more and more intertwined, what happens in one member state or what is decided in one member state will necessarily have an impact in the neighboring member states. OPAL judgment now requires that member states take into consideration those negative effects to surrounding member states. Those are positive elements. On the negative side, depends on how one wants to see this. What is clear, or what appears to be clear, is that the OPAL judgment moves decision-making power or competence to EU and the Commission and restricts the national energy rights of member states. So that impact can either be seen as positive or negative. But what is problematic is that OPAL judgment and the principle of energy solidarity 
creates legal obligations based on a principle rather than clear rules. This is always problematic as a principle does not dictate an outcome but requires a balancing exercise. And without details of that balancing exercise being clear, that is a problem for those investing in EU energy markets or making energy policy decisions. Energy policy considerations are open for interpretation or misinterpretation, and that may or may not prove to be an issue. My personal opinion is that we need more guidance from the European Court of Justice in this respect. Finally, a potentially negative effect is also the incompatibility of the Opal judgment and the 2009 regime, which is now, again, because the 2016 regime has been uh, cancelled, we've moved back to the 2009, the first exemption decision or regime by the German authorities. Uh, The ongoing case, Russia versus EU third energy package, in that case, the panel has specifically noted that uh, the 2009 exemption regime is... uh, violating WTO obligations of EU. Uh, That case is still subject to appeal or the appeal is ongoing. So we don't have the final say of the WTO uh, system, but the initial panel report found the current uh, regime now being uh, contrary to the GOT obligations of EU. An additional clear consequence of the judgment is also that it gives smaller EU member states with a better position and makes the larger member states or forces the larger member states to listen to the voices of these smaller member states. I'll now talk briefly about some of these points. So energy solidarity in general makes two appearances in the Lisbon Treaty. One under Article 122, where it's relating to emergency measures, which need to be taken in the spirit of solidarity between member states, notably in cases where supply of energy is in jeopardy. This type of crisis-related energy solidarity is also visible in the secondary EU energy law and the security of gas supply regulation in particular, which reflects and builds on principle of energy solidarity. That has been uh, how energy solidarity has been understood and used prior to the OPAL judgment. The OPAL judgment now relies on the second time the principle appears in the Lisbon Treaty. Under Article 194, it's it's the provision that sets the foundation for establishing the union competencies and objectives in the area of energy policy. Here, the Opal case, the court explicitly found that the reading where energy solidarity requirement is restricted to crises and emergencies is wrong. Instead, the court's reasoning suggests that the principle of energy solidarity requires that interest of other member states must always be taken into consideration when legislating in this area or when applying existing energy laws, be it by the Union 
or by the member states. There are two ways of reading the judgment. In the first, more expansive reading, it appears that Opal judgment would impact member states' energy rights protected under Article 194.2, and it would entail that the exercise of these national energy rights would now have to take the interests of other member states and the EU into consideration. This is relevant then to most energy policy decisions member states take, including, for example, significant increases of renewable energy, which can have consequences on uh, neighboring member states, or rapid decrease of nuclear power generation, which will also impact other member states. This type of reading of the judgment is really based on a literal interpretation of the judgment and would have significant impact on national energy policies. In a second, more restricted reading, the judgment would mean that when member states take measures that relate to exercising rights that have their origin in EU energy law and policy, they would have to then consider the interests of other member states and EU as a whole. This more narrow interpretation, where the judgment relates only to those rights that have their origin at EU-level regulation, would be based on a rationale that the judgment as a whole is focused on EU energy law and did not intend to impact the treaty-based national energy rights of member states. But in both alternatives, the OPAL judgment gives more powers to the European Commission. In the first, more expansive reading, the Commission would or could initiate infringement proceedings against member states when it's considered that these purely national decisions have been taken without due consideration to the interest of other EU actors, including neighboring states. But even in the more restricted reading of the judgment, it would provide EU Commission with additional to scrutinize national decision-making. The impact follows from the need to incorporate energy solidarity into the application of EU energy law and the availability of the infringement proceedings. Another impact of the OPAL judgment seems to be that it requires the reinterpretation of existing provisions of EU energy law. The OPAL judgment itself concerned Article 36 of the third gas market directive, which includes an exhaustive checklist of criteria. And it appears that now we need to add an energy solidarity requirement into that checklist. How that solidarity test adds value remains then to be seen. But similar to the Article 36 exemption regime, we have other provisions. Third country certification under Article 11 of the same directive also makes references to security of supply impact of the certification and requires that the granting of certification will not put at risk the security of energy supply of the member state and the community, i.e. EU. The OPAL judgment seems to imply that the risk of energy security or uh, the risk on security of energy supply needs to now be assessed much wider than before. Not only the member state in question and the EU, but also other specific member states. Another example would be the new Article 49A 
of the same directive, which also makes references to energy security of energy supply, but does not really provide any details around that. Interesting point is also that going beyond EU energy law, we have other provisions like regulation establishing a framework for the screening of foreign direct investments into the union. That regulation also talks about security of supply. When making the final decision, the member state must give due consideration to comments and concerns from other member states. And in taking a decision on security impact of an investment, member states must consider potential impact on critical energy infrastructure, which certainly includes pipelines, and supply of energy. So in this context, OPAL judgment may mean that when you're dealing with energy investments, a member state must automatically consider whether the decision is likely to affect the member states, other member states. And it might also mean that the threshold is now higher than just to give due consideration. While these questions are still open, what is clear is that there is a need for new judgment from the European Court of Justice, giving more details for the lawyers to work with. Finally, some words about the WTO implications or aspects of the OPAL judgment. As I said, the judgment in OPAL means that the exemption regime now returns to its, its original 2009 form, which meant that there was a 50% capacity cap for Gazprom utilization. This presents a problem vis-a-vis WTO law because the panel in a dispute initiated by Russia against the EU and the third energy package specifically decided against the compatibility of the 2009 exemption regime. Now, I'm not going to go much further in discussing the WTO aspects of the case, but I'll simply refer you to another podcast by Florence School of Regulation by uh, Dr. Moritz Wustenberg. Instead, because I'm running out of time, I will just give a couple of words as a conclusion. The judgment in Nepal appears to have far-reaching consequences in several dimensions. It appears to further transform the member state's energy sovereignty by restricting national rights and giving the European level and the Commission more tools and more powers. It also seems to require that solidarity considerations are incorporated into the reading of various energy-related EU law instruments, even beyond pure energy regulation. While the notion of energy solidarity was incorporated in the 2009 Lisbon Treaty, it is probably fair to say that its adoption as a new general principle of EU energy law by the court took the EU energy law community as a surprise or by a surprise. The implications of judgments are clearly still uncertain, but what we see already now is that a lot of the details are open and guidance from European courts would certainly be welcome and probably even necessary. I hope you enjoyed this short podcast. Thank you very much.